there and welcome to the Little Yarrow podcast. My name is Kate, I'm a naturopath and postpartum doula here to share with you ancient wisdom for modern mothers. Welcome everyone to the Little Yarrow podcast. Today I've got a very special guest, a birth and postpartum doula, Mary from Melbourne, who I'd love to introduce you to. Mary, can you um, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you, firstly, for inviting me to speak with you today. Um, As you said, my name's Mary. I actually live now in regional Victoria in the beautiful Macedon Ranges, um, where we just relocated to from Melbourne at the start of this year. Beautiful. Um, And I do work as a pregnancy, birth and postpartum doula, offering continuity of care to families, um, which is an avenue or a path that I followed after the birth of my second child a few years ago. Um, and my background is in community development. So I've been working with families, women and young children in particular, for 15 or 16 years in capacity development roles, mainly in uh, the resettlement sector, working with migrant and refugee mm. women and families. And interestingly, I notice a lot of the skills that I bring to my work now are very much similar to the skills that I've used to support women for many, many years. And... Um, I have a real interesting cultural competency in the birth space and birth and motherhood across cultures. And yeah, it's, um, it's a real honor to do this work. So amazing. Yeah. It's so um, nice to hear that that's like a special focus of yours, because I think there's just, yeah, there's so much, um, there's so much we can learn around other cultures and how we can support, um, you know, with teaching and supporting women and I think it's really awesome that you're, yeah, that you're really stepping into that, to that, fill that void and that's why I really wanted to get you on here today, particularly to talk about more so around the traditional Mexican um, postpartum traditions and around the closing of the bone ceremony because I know that's something that is popping up quite a bit just around social media and um, I think that sometimes people can misunderstand the practice and the meaning behind this ceremony. So I thought it would be great to get someone who has that real knowledge and understanding and experience of this traditional practice on to have a chat about it. So would you like to talk about perhaps how you came to learn about these practices and your experience? Yes, absolutely. Um, Before I do that, I just want to uh, speak a little bit more broadly of uh, the postnatal period and how that tends to be... um, undertaken in traditional cultures around the world in many traditional cultures obviously I can't speak for all of them but there does seem to be quite a common thread through many traditional cultures where the postpartum period is seen as a very sacred time during which it's really important to keep the mother warm supported cocooned well nourished cared for um, to avoid her having cold into her body and to really really hold her and honor her journey so That's something that we see through many different cultures um, and, you know, practices that are drawn from traditional ancestral knowledges and and of healing and recovery. So there are closing ceremonies ceremonies similar to the one that I'll talk about offered by, again, a number of different cultures around the world. I understand from Morocco and other parts of Latin America and probably parts of Asia as well. And they would have similar threads, which speaks, again, to the intuitive and um, just sort of the real understanding of the physical and emotional. Um, There are quite a lot of similarities between these, which is really interesting to see, I think, even from very different parts of the world. 
So, as you said, I practice the Mexican tradition of the of, of this ceremony, um, and I just wanted to talk briefly about my relationship with Mexico to give some context also as to why I, I offer this as part of my services. So I went to live in Mexico as an 18-year-old um, 22 years ago on an exchange program and lived with Mexican families for a year and went to school in Mexico and learned Spanish and travelled extensively and learned about a number of the different traditional cultures in Mexico from different parts of the country. And since then I've had a very long-standing relationship with Mexico and have continued to learn about a whole lot of traditions. I've studied... Um, advanced Spanish at university and Latin American studies and have always been drawn to practices of the tr traditional cultures. I've been really interested in woven textiles and how they represent identity, women's social identity and changing identity as well. And when I trained to become a birth worker and learned about Terrebozo and the traditional uh, postpartum practices in Mexico, I was really drawn to them. I also studied anthropology at university and so I was really drawn to the practices from Mexico having already a relationship with that part of the world and, and um, yeah, so I started to learn more and and read more and learn more and since entered into a relationship with a Mexican midwife who is like a, a guide, I suppose, who I'm sort of apprenticing with um, across the, the mm. oceans. Her name is Nauli Vinaver. And she offers uh, workshops online and she asked me to be her Australian partner last year to mm. promote her workshop series, which I do. But I'm also lucky to have her guidance. So I send her photos and reflections of the work and the ceremonies that I offer and I get feedback from her and just on a continual uh, learning journey. And I'm really lucky to have that relationship with her. Um, I also attended a number of workshops whilst I was in Mexico and the many times that I've been there on all sorts of uh, traditional healing uh, modalities and and things. So that's just a bit of context as yeah, to how I think so to be interesting. This. So you really do, yeah. It, it it's um sounds like it's yeah there are really deep roots there for you when it comes to this kind of practice that you had a very long connection with the culture. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like a full circle in a way when I sort of came to be offering this in my work amongst the many other things that I do offer. It felt a little bit like a full circle and, you know, it's such a beautiful opportunity for me to bring my personal and professional sort of experiences together to create something of my own that I can offer that sort of speaks to and honours mm. the very diverse skills and experiences that I've had through my life and beautiful to to offer this ceremony. And as I said, though, I'm continuing to learn. I'm a student and a lifelong student, so I'm certainly not an expert and not a traditional mm. holder of the knowledge. I'm just a conduit and yeah. I'm happy to speak about that. Um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, so can you tell us a bit about the actual ceremony and why why it's done and how it's done um, and just give us a bit more, yeah, information on this beautiful tradition? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. So first I just wanted to mention that in Mexico the ceremony is not called closing the bones. It's not even called um, that in a translated form in Spanish. Mm. It's actually referred to as postpartum ritual or okay. a um, cerrada. So it's, more, so it's more of a Western term that's being given. Well, I'm not sure because I have heard, I've heard, for example, your podcast episode with I think her name's Layla from Morocco. Mm who speaks about a closing the bones ceremony and obviously that's not a Western tradition yeah. but I don't know where that term comes from. I don't know if it's just something that's been sort of attached to other similar ceremonies or it can be called a, a cerrada, which means a closing, 
So maybe yeah. it's sort of intuitively, you know, because it does in fact involve closing the bones, essentially an element of it, but that's not the whole ceremony. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to point that out as well. Yeah. It's it's more commonly referred to that way in Australia, but mm. um, it's actually a, a traditional Mexican postpartum ritual. So in the pre-Columbian and pre-colonial times in Mexico, people honoured the four elements, earth, fire, air and water, and they're all used and honoured in this really important ritual. And it's a ritual that's from the Mexican parteria tradition, which is the traditional traditional midwifery tradition. And it's understood that during pregnancy um, and birth in particular, the aura of a, of a woman undertakes a, an extreme opening in order to accommodate the life and soul of her baby to be birthed through her. And so obviously birth is considered to be the moment of greatest expansion and where her physical, mental, emotional and spiritual body are all opened to their maximum capacity. So in this ceremony, um, which is traditionally performed a number of times during the postpartum period, it honours the expansion and gently brings and offers closure to her as she returns to her centre and integrates her transformation into motherhood. So in addition to offering the ceremony and offering closing during the sacred postpartum period, it can also be offered to bring closure after another, after other important uh, rites of passage in life, like, for example, an abortion or miscarriage or the end of a breastfeeding journey or to celebrate the menarche or after a divorce or any other significant time in life. And it should be practised with time. It shouldn't be rushed. There are four elements to the ceremony that are practised uh, each taking approximately 45 minutes, but there should be time allowed for transitions in between, time allowed for feeding the baby if so required, time allowed for debriefing if if you're offering the, if someone is offering the ceremony to, to a person who they haven't accompanied during pregnancy and birth, and there needs to be a debriefing and a you know a conversation beforehand, and also a debriefing afterwards. So I normally allow around five hours for the ceremony oh, wow. to be completed properly. Yeah. Um, and I know that some I have seen this offered, you know, as an hour sort of ceremony mm. by people. Which... I've had it done. I had it done with my second son, and it was probably an hour or two, I think, by someone mm. who was trained. But obviously, there's different people that offer different trainings and different, you know, um, yeah, different ways that it's taught. Yes, and I think, as you said, yeah, different, um, different perhaps trainings. I have asked Nali actually uh, if how much it varies across Mexico from different mm. regions, um, and she said that all of the mid all of the midwives that she's spoken to that come from all the way across Mexico, and she has organised conferences um, with traditional Mexican midwives for many many years, bringing them together from all over the country, and generally they all speak to the same four elements of yeah. this ritual, um, and perform it in quite a similar way. But having said that, as I mentioned before, there are similar rituals practiced in different parts of the world. So perhaps people are sort of offering elements that they've picked up or learned here or there. Maybe it's not mm. a full version. Maybe it's a full version from elsewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure. Or a, maybe even a modified version, Yeah, like a Western modified version. Yeah, yeah. So there are, as I said, four elements. And the first element, um, and I actually might also mention that it's said that it's important to do all four elements because if you just do the wrapping and closing, which is the final element, then it can sort of be like 
akin to putting a Band-Aid on a wound that hasn't mm. been cleaned. Yeah. So the first element is the full body massage, which helps to stimulate blood flow and to cleanse and renew and to move any fluid um, that needs to be moved to help with milk supply and, and lochia to help support the hormones and the immune system to tone the muscles and the tissues and to support the spine and the pelvis and uh, the whole body as it sort of softens, you know, un- working in with the knots and the tension in the body to try and soften and um, loosen anything that needs to be loosened and to honour her um, to start with. And, and the massage is performed with hot stones and a rolling pin, hands, feet, elbows, body weight, warm oil, um, and yeah, in the comfort of her home. This is performed in the comfort of the woman's home, ideally. That sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. So the second element is a steam bath, which in the Western uh, context, and even in Mexico actually now, is often offered as a sort of alternative to the temascal, which is what would traditionally have been used in this part of the ceremony. So I just wanted to also talk about what the temascal is. Um, for those who don't know, it's a it's it's a purposefully built space out of stone or wood or cement or rammed earth, which is thought to represent the womb of the mm. earth. Um, and it's sort of known as a house of heat. I suppose it's like a sauna, traditional sauna yeah. you could consider it as. And it's used a lot, particularly in women's health. It's used to heal ailments, to purify the body and mind and promote good health. Um, it has been used in the past for women to give birth in as well and it's used often to support women during their various reproductive changes during life and their well-being. So it's a you go into this space that, as I said, is enclosed and the, close, the opening is closed and hot volcanic rocks, um, which are known as, as abuelitas or little grandmothers, are placed in the centre and water is poured over them to produce steam. And there are normally um, herbs that are added. It's often a shaman that will conduct the temascal ceremony and he'll add, he or she will add herbs to, um, to the rocks so that the steam has the you know, medicinal and beneficial properties of the herbs. And you would stay inside the temascal for a couple of hours, usually chanting and giving thanks and resting and just trying to withstand the discomfort as well, which it's, it's not really a, a comfortable experience. It's certainly a physically challenging experience and you have to surrender to sort of withstand the heat um, mm. and be enclosed in that space. And so there, aren't, there are some temascals actually here, even in Victoria, but um, it's more often this element of the uh, ceremony is more often in a... Um, more often offered in a modified version these days in a steam bath made by placing, for example, a big plastic tent or sort of covering above the the tub which the mother sits in and so creating an enclosed sort of space. So I get inside the space, I, I bring all of the things with me and get inside there with her and it's like a ceremonial bath and so I prepare the blend of the blend that I bathe her with the day before with um, medicinal herbs that have antibacterial, anti-inflammatory and um, other beneficial properties. And where I can, I have some from my garden or people's gardens who I know. Um, I'm in the process of establishing my new garden where I've moved to. Um, so we go into the tub and are covered and I bathe her 
and encourage her to make any sounds that she needs to make, to sing anything that she might like to sing. I can sing or chant to her and just bathe her and, and thank her body and bless her body and honour her body for the experience that it has undertaken thus far. Um, and so it's important to, to note also that it's not it, just sort of bathing a, a woman in a tub with flowers or herbs in it isn't really akin to a temascal. It needs to be enclosed so that you can generate the steam that is the medicinal aspect of this sort of element of the ceremony. So that's the second part. And the third part is a kind of a resting phase or a sweat where the woman has moved from the tub or the temascal to a place that she can rest under quite heavy blankets. Um, and she's fully covered except for her nose and mouth so she can breathe. And she's left to rest and integrate the experience up until that point. Um, and she's offered tea to drink actually throughout the ceremony. So she should, we should try to get her to drink at least two litres of tea during the course of the ceremony, always offering it to her, even when she's resting with a straw. And the tea is made from lemongrass, clove, ginger, cinnamon and other warming things. Um, so she's left to sort of detoxify and puricate, uh, to purify and detoxify her body under the blankets as she rests. And I also think I mentioned, I'm not sure if it's really, really important to keep her warm as she transitions as well between the different elements of, this, of the ritual. And after she has, after the period of rest is complete, um, I'll pass her her clothes to dress herself under the blankets before she emerges to make sure she stays really warm. And after that, I, and whilst she's doing that, I'll set up the next space, which is where the, um, that her balls or closing happens. And for anyone who's listening who isn't familiar with that abozo, it's a traditional woven Mexican cloth that's used by women throughout their life. Um, so it can be used to support a woman during her period and pregnancy to support her hips tied quite firmly around her hips. It can support her for comfort during labour and birth and can support her baby carrying when she has an infant, can be used as a blanket or a shawl or um, again, to wrap around her hips after after birth to support a sort of um, holding, I suppose. And it's used also traditionally by women to carry firewood and shopping and groceries and anything else um, that they need to carry. Traditionally, you would see it used more by Indigenous women um, mm. these days. Um, and it can be used all through life. It's often used as a shroud at birth as well. So it's really something that a woman has during, during her whole life. Yeah. And... The knowledge of, of, of rebozo is as an oral tradition. It's a woven, hand-woven um, shawl and practice that's passed down through oral tradition from generation to generation. So for the final part of the, the ritual, that rebozo is tightened around seven strategic parts of her body to help um, close the bones um, and offer a really deep grounding and nurturing experience. So the, the seven points are the head, the shoulders, the, the chest just under the breasts, um, the waist, the thighs, the calves and the feet. And the tightening is usually performed traditionally by two people. So you can have a person at each side of the mother to, to hold, to pull quite tightly. Um, the woman will, you'd pull it until she says that that's enough, that that's tight enough and then you hold it still until she says that she's ready for it to be released. And so you work through the seven points of the body and sometimes you can work back 
starting at the head and then you can work back from the feet to the head again to tighten once again and you can if you like also then wrap her and leave her enclosed um, after you've done that for a period of time and yeah so after that then I normally play my drum or sing to her whilst she's resting but also give her time to rest in silence and then I gently unwrap her very quietly and carefully and gently and lovingly and then we debrief and talk about how she feels, um, if anything has come up for her, if there's anything she needs to talk about and, yeah, we just kind of gently kind of emerge together. It sounds um, like a deep, very like cathartic kind of deeply he- healing um, ritual for mothers after everything they've been through with the pregnancy and birth and those early postpartum weeks. It really is. And it's also that for the person, for myself or for mm. the person offering it, it's a, it's a real um, opportunity for surrender. It's, yeah. an important, it's important for the mother to surrender but also for the facilitator to really surrender and to really be present to journey with her. And it's a really beautiful thing to sort of hold that space with all the time in the world and with nowhere to be and to just be there with her. Mm. I, can imagine, really, really I can imagine it would be quite emotional experience. Is it like, do some women feel quite emotional during the ceremony? Um, yes, they can do. They can feel emotional before it, during it, mm. after it, even in the days after it. Yeah. Uh, obviously everyone's different, so their experiences are unique and, you know, what leads them to wanting to experience this ceremony is always a unique set of circumstances. And so, yeah, it certainly can be. And I've had mothers tell me, for example, that just the simple gesture of holding their hands yeah. towards the end of the ceremony when I'm unwrapping them and grounding them and just taking their hands and holding them gently and you know that even those small gestures can be quite moving yeah. and can help them to be seen and to be loved and just to you know to honor themselves and slow down and recognize what they've done and I've had mothers tell me as well that through an experience like this it's helped them to sort of feel to really understand that they're that the Mamatoto dyad is now, you know, that it's two separate beings. Yeah. That that's kind of a um, an honor, you know, honoring the, the fact that their baby is no longer in them and that it's it's, it's a separate being and it's kind of an, an initiation as well into a new moment or a new phase. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. And traditionally this would be offered um, a number of times during the immediate postpartum period so perhaps for example on days 10 20 30 and 40 as I said before it's really important that it's not rushed Um, and it's also important for her to stay warm not only during the whole ceremony but also in the days that follow ideally she would be able to stay home for at least a couple of days afterwards and if she has to go anywhere she should really cover herself including her head um, to ensure that she stays warm even if she's in a warm climate um, so there's a big emphasis on staying warm yeah. and on the integration as well. Um, and as I said, on, on respecting the four elements, certainly on the Mexican uh, tradition, respecting the four elements of the ceremony 
um, and understanding their interconnected importance in the whole ritual. Mm. Well, thank you so much. I've I thought I had a really good understanding of the ceremony and I, I really wanted to get you on to explain it further, but I feel like I've learned so much more about it from you and I really, um, yeah, there's a lot of elements that I, I didn't actually know about. So thank you so much for sharing. It's just such a, sounds like such a beautiful um, ceremony and I think it's really nice that it's being kept alive, the rituals being kept alive by people like you who are learning from the traditional um, traditional midwives. So thank you so much for coming on, Mary, and sharing this with everyone. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And um, if anyone's interested, I can send you the links to Nawali's workshops if they'd like to learn this practice themselves. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you give us, do you have all the details on your website? Yes, they are, yeah. Can, so there's details you... of the ceremony that I offer and there's also a link to... Okay the Art of Birth workshops that Nauli teaches yeah. and because I'm her Australian partner, if people sign up to her workshops or subscribe through my partnership page, she pays me a small percentage of the subscription fee and I actually forward that on to Birthing on Country, um, which is an organisation that I support here in Australia to, to try and support the return to Birth on Country. Yeah. Um, yeah Great. Well, thank you. Can you share your website and your social media, please? Before we finish up. Sure. So my website is www.madreluna, M-A-D-R-E-L-U-N-A.com.au. And my social media, I'm most active on Instagram and it's my name, Mary.Giordano, G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O underscore Madreluna. Great. Thanks so much, Mary. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.